This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Hi, my name's David and I'm a member of our Preston's campus and I have the privilege of bringing the word today. 2020 was an unusual year and for many, a difficult year. Between massive bushfires, storms, flooding, and a global pandemic, not to mention job uncertainty and social isolation, it was a year of challenges. People were separated from family and friends, and mental health was a struggle for many. So let me ask you this morning, how did you respond to 2020? I thought of all the things that I could share with you this morning that made up part of my 2020. And one thing that stood out to me was this. It was an Instagram account that I had started to follow. Now, most people who know me will know how much I love to travel. And 2020 clearly put the brakes on that. But I was still able to live through other people's adventures. And so I came across this couple in America who just live for the great outdoors, Ali and Bailey. They are a beautiful couple who love to travel and take incredible photos. For them, it was the ultimate social distancing. Just get away from everyone, out of the cities, out of the towns, go hiking, explore the wilderness. And for me, it was a chance to live vicariously through them and their adventures, while I was stuck at home, unable to even go to the supermarket. And it was clear from Ali's Instagram feed from the photos that she would post and the things that she would write, that they deeply loved each other. And they were trying to make every second of every day count. It was a wholesome distraction from all of the COVID-19 doom and gloom. And I share that because I think, you know, it's important that we find these light moments amidst challenging times. You know, in some ways, 2020 encouraged us to look after ourselves and pull positives out of our circumstances. But conversely, it also encouraged us to buy even more things to entertain and distract ourselves and to binge Netflix like never before. So how did you respond to the circumstances of 2020? Did you create good habits? Did you create bad habits? Maybe a bit of both. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a passage where the Israelites were facing their own difficult times, and we're going to have a look at how they navigated through that. The passage we're going to be looking at is a large chunk of text this morning. It's four chapters from 1 Samuel, 4 to 7. And let me set the scene for you. It's approximately 1080 BC. It's a little less than 400 years since Israel came out of slavery in Egypt. The Israelites have made it to the Promised Land, and we're in the time of the Judges, a time during which the Israelites frequently wandered from God, at which point they would cry out to him for salvation, and he would raise up a judge such as Gideon or Samson, and through them he would save the people. And this this brings us to the time of Samuel. And what we read in 1 Samuel 3, just to continue setting the scene, is that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
there was no frequent vision, the Bible tells us. That is, the current priests were not honoring God. And so therefore, if they weren't honoring God, then they certainly weren't encouraging the people to honor God. Israel was in a bad place. And when we pick up the story in chapter 4, we find that Israel goes out to battle the Philistines at a place called Ebenezer. The Philistines were an ever-present enemy at this time of Israel's history, and once again, a conflict occurs. The Israelite army goes out to fight and gets crushed. And we read their response here. The elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us this day before the Philistines? See, they actually kind of viewed it as God allowing their defeat. The army was absolutely crushed. And they're wondering what's going on. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. God, where are you? God, why didn't you show up? I wonder if that's what 2020 felt like to you at some points. Now, afraid of what the Philistines will do next, the elders of Israel decide to bring the Ark of the Covenant of God into the camp. The Ark was a symbol of the power and of the presence of God. It was a place that God dwelled. And they knew that they needed God for this fight. But they treated the Ark as this way of twisting God's arm to fight for them. We, we read here, they say, let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh where the ark was residing, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. They recognize this power, but they tried to force God into working for them. Another battle is waged, but again, the Philistines, the Philistines wipe out the Israelite army and send the survivors running. They capture the ark and take it back to their own land. Now, the loss of the Ark of the Covenant was a sign of judgment on the Israelites. The symbol of God's presence had been taken from them. It was as if God himself had abandoned them. And then we move on to 1 Samuel chapters 5 and 6, and we see what happens with the Philistines as they, as they take this Ark back home. So the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant back to one of their main towns, and they put it in the house of Dagon, right next to their statue of Dagon, who was the leader of their pantheon of gods. Now, when they woke up the next morning, Dagon had fallen over on his face before the Ark of the Covenant, as if worshipping God. So they put him back up hastily. Even minor gods need a little bit of help sometimes. But the next morning... Dagon had fallen over again, and his head and his hands had been cut off and were just lying there on the floor. Next thing you know it, the people of the town start to get horrible tumors, and they realize that the God of Israel is judging them, judging them for their idolatry. And so they send the ark on to another town in Philistine. And lo and behold, the same thing happens. The people break out in these horrible tumors. And people begin to panic, and they send the ark on to another town, and the same thing happens. The people break out in tumors and in fear because this horrible thing is happening to them. And they say in, in verse 11, chapter 5, send away the ark of the, of the God of Israel 
and let it return to its own place that it may not kill us and our people. They recognize that it was God judging them. They recognize that it was God's power causing this to happen. And so they sent it back to Israel with an offering to display their repentance. So it was that God judges the Philistines and their idolatry and shows himself to be the supreme God far superior to all of the gods of the Philistines. And the Philistines returned the ark back to Israel. Now we move on to the rest of chapter 6, and things take an interesting turn here. In verse 13, we read this. Now the people of Beth Shemesh, that was in Israel, were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And when they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. The Philistines had sent it back to Israel being dragged on a cart by these two cows. And so the ark seems to just be making its way back to them. And they were overjoyed when they saw it. They sacrificed burnt offerings in celebration. But then we read in verse 19 that that is he, God, struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them, and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. It says, because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. Now, according to the scholars, we understand this to mean that they looked inside the ark. The ark was like a chest with a lid, and they approached it, I guess, with curiosity and inquisitiveness and just had a look inside. But the thing is that the ark was holy. It was this sacred object, this symbol of God himself, and the people were supposed to approach it with reverence and respect and treat it as holy, just as God is holy, just as God should be treated with reverence and respect. But they were just casual and just had a look inside. And so God judges them in this moment of holiness. And the people recognize this. They said, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up away from us? They wanted to get rid of the ark just after it's gotten back. So they sent messages to the inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, another town nearby, saying, the Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord Come down and take it up to you. It was too much for them. They feared this holy God and they said, we, we, we need some distance from this. And so the people come and take it and it stays in that town. And then 20 years pass. And then we read that at some point, Israel begins to lament for God. It was still as if God had not returned. We don't read of anything else happening in those 20 years. Life just went on as normal. And at this time, as the people begin to lament for God, Samuel calls the people to return, to return to God. And he says this, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth, from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. The Philistines were still a threat. They were still living nearby. You see, at this time, the people of Israel were still continuing to pursue their own false idols. 
And when Samuel calls them out, the people respond. So the people of Israel put away their Baals and the Ashtaroth, these gods which they honored, and they served the Lord only. Next, Samuel calls the people together to meet for the purpose of national repentance. And the people cry out, we have sinned against the Lord. They have this genuine, heartfelt response. And Samuel prays for them. Now, just as this is happening, the Philistines heard about this gathering of the people again. And they marshaled their forces to attack. They saw an opportunity. They said, the people are gathered together. Let's go and get them. And when the people heard this, they were afraid. 20 years earlier, when they had last fought the Philistines, they suffered a terrible, terrible loss. That time, God didn't show up, not how they expected. They lost the ark. And now... Just as they're returning to God, just as they're trying to get things together, another attack comes. I wonder what was going through their heads. This time, they had come together as a nation for prayer, not war. It's most likely that they were totally unprepared. What could they have been thinking? God, are you you going to show up this time? I know you saved Israel in the past. Will you rescue again? Will you save us again? The people go to Samuel and say, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. They know that God's our only hope. They know they need his power. They know they need him to move. And Samuel does just that, offering up a sacrifice to God. And the Lord answered him, when Samuel cried out to the Lord. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. The Israelites go out against them, they chase them, and they strike them down, and the Philistines are defeated. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up at Mizpah, and called its name Ebenezer. Rather, he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he called its name Ebenezer, for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. To celebrate this great moment, Samuel sets up this memorial stone, a symbol of what God has done. He calls the stone Ebenezer, which you may remember was the first location where they lost the first battle. Ebenezer, which means stone of help, saying, till now the Lord has helped us. Remember, it was at the first Ebenezer that the Ark of the Covenant had been lost. To the Israelites, Ebenezer was the darkest day that anyone could remember. To them, the very presence of God had been taken away from them there. But Samuel calls this new Ebenezer, this new memorial, Ebenezer, until now the Lord has helped us as a monument to God's faithfulness. So long as anyone remembered the darkness and the shame of the first Ebenezer, they would now also remember the second Ebenezer, where God displays his faithfulness and his power to save once again. 
Samuel is saying, God didn't leave you during this time. He's been here all along, even despite your rebellion, even despite taking matters into your own hands and chasing after your own gods, other gods. God didn't abandon you. It's God who will fight your battles. It's God who is still here to help you. Pretty incredible story. You know, at this point, I guess we have to ask, what can we take away from this? Seeing God move in this way. Well, at the start of this story, the Israelites go through this disastrous event. They lose the battle. They lose the ark. It's as if they've lost God himself. This is one of the worst things to ever happen to the nation of Israel. Then when God returns the ark to them and he displays his power in this act of holiness, nothing changes. And we read, for 20 years, nothing changed. The Israelites just keep living the way they've always lived. And then finally, they begin to lament for God. It took 20 years. And we read in 7.3, Samuel said, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth, these false gods, from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. Samuel reveals the heart of the problem here. The heart of the problem was their hearts. They loved these false gods, these gods which they knew by name, Baal, Ashtoreth, Dagon, many others from the surrounding nations. They loved them. And by honoring these idols and bringing them into their homes, they reduced the God of Israel to being just one of many gods in their pantheon of gods. They reduced him to being one option among many, one name amongst many. And so Samuel says, things need to change. You need to live differently. God wants all of your heart. He wants to be the only one you honor, the name above all names. So my question to you this morning is this. Are you living like the name of God is the name above all names? Or is it just a name among all names? For Israel, it was really clear. Their false gods had names. And they knew their hearts were in the wrong place. For us, maybe it's not so clear. We don't Think of having false gods, really, in our society, not in that way. But if I were to look at your life, what would I say is the greatest name that you know? Would I say Jesus? Or would I say Netflix? Because Netflix is a name. Facebook is a name. Your workplace most likely has a name. Your partner has a name. Are you living like Jesus is the greatest name that you know? 
Are you living like Jesus is the greatest name that you know? Going back to Ali, Ali and Bailey. 2020 had an, another sting in the tail. Back in October, Bailey sadly passed away from cancer. And Ali said that she would not write a goodbye letter, but rather a thank you letter. And she wrote this. Thank you for loving me, for protecting me. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for showing me how much good there is in this world through your beautiful brown eyes and those four white paws. I'll never know a greater name. I'll never know a greater name. Now, she may not have understood the gravity of that statement. Who am I to say? But I do know this. Looking at her life, at everything she posts and writes, it is undeniably clear that she was all in for Bailey. Bailey was the center of her world. She even goes on in another post to say how she wanted the world to know Bailey and the love she has for Bailey and the love that Bailey had for her. I wonder if people would recognize that kind of love for God in you. Are you living like Jesus is the greatest name that you know? It's a hard question to ask this morning. So how should we respond? Well, seeing how this is a matter of the heart, that's where we start. Check your heart. Is God the number one thing in your life? Would you, would you say that about yourself? And then, when you reflect on how you're living, ask yourself, do I need to make a change? Do I need to live differently? Do I need to change things around a bit? You know, John Maxwell, leadership guru, says intentions, no matter how good they are, will die if they don't turn into good actions. I'll say that again. Intentions, no matter how good they are, will die if they don't turn into good actions. You know, if we want to see change, the first thing is really to decide what are we going to do about it. We can't change everything in life. That's for sure. 2020 made that pretty clear to us. But for your own actions, you can choose what 2021 is going to look like. Friends, we can start 2021 well. That option is open to us. You can make your way through this year just like you did through 2020. Or you can choose to make a change and live differently. What's one thing that you can commit to changing in your life to make sure that God is the number one thing 
in your life this year. Church, I'd love to pray for you. God, thank you for this message from 1 Samuel. Thank you that you show yourself to be faithful, trustworthy, the one who is there in our time of need, the one who has the power to change our circumstances. And I pray that as we reflect on this and all that you are to us, I pray that you would motivate us to live for you, live differently, make decisions in our life that honour you. Help us to do 2021 well for you. Amen. Church, thanks for listening to this message. If you're watching online, you can click the request prayer button. And if you're in one of our physical locations, you can come forwards and pray with one of the members of our prayer team. They'd love to pray with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.